This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Pride of West London Be Sotted Christmas Podcast. Um, the boys, we're, well, we've all been ice skating. It's been, it is the officially the besotted on ice Christmas extravaganza. We've been down to Strawberry Hill. We've been out on the ice. Um, no one's broken any bones, I don't think. Um, although Dutchman has always had a... He's always had a fear of losing fingers um, on ice, and unfortunately, none of us were able to sever any of his digits this evening. Um, not yet, anyway. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, we've, we've, we've reached safety. We've, we've come back to the Prince Belusia on Twickenham Green, um, and this Christmas tree's up, and everyone's having festive fun, and so are we. Um, the Festive 50, the Besotted Festive 50, that's going to be played next week. Each of the regular Besotted crew, they've given us, well, given me their top ten, and I've gonna, I'm going to kind of mash it into um, an hour, hour-long special. Um, and, but tonight, we are going to pick out each of our favourites from our lists and um, just have a little, have a little chat about that. Um, Matt, your Festive 50, mate. Um, what's, what's, what, what, you know, did you have fun doing it? And what, what's, the, what's your standout moment? Um, my, I, I did enjoy doing it. It was, it was, you know, great fun. Like, you know, remembering the last um, twelve months, and, and and it has been a bit of a roller coaster in some respects. Um, a roller coaster ride. I think we've had ups and downs of both proportions in the last twelve months. Um, my, the, the one that, the one that sort of, you know. The one that hit me, and I'm going to sneak another one in there as well. I'm going to cheat a little bit. Was the Bournemouth game when we won three um, one? It, it, it and it and it was the ups and downs of that period where we'd lost um, to Charlton three nil in the previous game away, which I'm sure many people remember that away game that was probably, you know, just our, well, it was just after the Warburton announcement, and um, and that was one of the most sort of down moments I can remember in recent years as a Brentford supporter. Um, and then we saw, and then the following week, or we had the this this, this game against Bournemouth, who were high flying, you know, you know, and probably 
certainly one of the three best teams in the league, if not one of the be- if not the best team in the league. When you when you look at what they got onto now, and it was just a barnstorming game, and the excitement of that game, um, we were we were two one up, weren't we? After that goalkeeping fluff where Pritchard scored from a free kick, and and I, I just remember that you know the it, it suddenly felt that actually you know what with all the stuff going on with Warburton leaving at the end of the year that actually we could still do something this season um, and, um, and, and that third goal the Chris Long goal which, which was probably deep into injury time was such a relief because you felt that you know if Bournemouth got back and got to 2 all, then it could throw the whole of this, this short revival we'd seen you know back into flux and suddenly at the end of that game everything felt you know great again and um, it was a real sort of high for me. So that's the I mean, highlight of what has been a pr- pretty amazing year. Still, you know, we, I think if it, if it wasn't for a you know a little bit of a you know a, a dull patch or a worrying period at the beginning of this season, it's been it's been just the, just a stunning stunning twelve it, months. It, it, yeah, it has, but it, but there was that down as well with the Warburton yeah. situation, um, and that's why I, I kind of you know have, 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 put, have put this one in there. There's obviously the other games as well. That, that other people talk about, but but this one for me, we won such a down at that Charlton game, and I literally thought that the whole dream was over, and um, you know we were staring. At, I didn't know what was going to happen next, and suddenly we turn it round in that Bournemouth game, and it was just brilliant. Um, the the other thing I remember about the game, and so I'm going to cheat and sneak a second one in there, was McCormack came back from injury, and more or less the first he came on a substitute. More or less the first thing he did was hit Mark Pugh as hard as he's ever hit anybody. Um, um, left Mark. Pugh just in a crumpled heap on the ground took the ball away and we almost and we almost scored from that as well so that's another sort of a, a little moment from that game that, that I really ta- remember a proper tackle it, it was a proper tackle it was the sort of tackle that if it wasn't by a Brentford player I'd probably be screaming and shouting if I was watching it on telly the kind of tackle they said that used to only happen in the 70s it, it was a 70s style tackle yeah exactly Chop, yeah. Chopper Harris would have yeah. been proper proud yeah, I, think, I think many of the hard men of, of recent years of football would have been very um, very impressed with that Sav your standout moments of 2015 that you included in your festive 50 well just in case people don't know the festive 50 is actually something that John Peel used to do a bit of a hero of mine and every year he used to do the, the 50 best songs um, and so this is the 50 best football moments and one of mine is uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'll take you back. It's, uh, we're at Craven Cottage. It's 2-2. And someone puts a cross in. Hotter, of all people, heads it into the back of the net. And for five seconds, five seconds, the whole end is going potty. For ten seconds, half the end is going potty. And for 15 seconds, there's me going potty. <laughs> <laughs> just hugging everyone. Just... <laughs> Just running up and down the, the aisles and just, just going completely mad. Just you and your guide dog. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just I just love the euphoria, just the feeling of actually being 3-2 up at a Craven Cottage in the most extraordinary circumstances. And it's hotter. And I, would, I just love it. I, I mean, I, I think even a disallowed goal was worth celebrating at the cottage. You know, I, and I think Yotta is one of those players that can, you know, instill that kind of... It was euphoric, wasn't it? It was, you know, we were two one down. Then I think all of us had a little bit of a slight. Oh my God, they're not going to beat us. You know, the, bra- the bragging rights actually became a bit of a problem all of a sudden. And then uh, obviously when uh, O'Connell equalised, and then uh, yeah, you, as you said, we were in like dreamland for a, a couple of seconds at least. Nick, 
Um, you know, I know I know that you study Brentford very, very closely. Um, there must be lots, lots in stored up in your in your brain from the last twelve months. But what you know, what what really stood out for you? The Middlesbrough, the last ten, f- fifteen minutes of Middlesbrough away in the playoff game. It was when I was really proud to be a football fan. Um, the chanting, the singing, the just the, the joyful atmosphere. As we knew we were get losing, as we knew we were going out, but it summed up for me what being a Brentford fan was all about. I was with my friends, I was with people that we've been to every single game with that season. Um, we'd had a good time on the coach on the way up. We had had very nice drinks in the Twisted Lip. If you're ever in Middlesbrough, Twisted Lip is the, the pub to go to. It was just such a fantastic feeling. Um, and I look back at the... When I was writing down my, you know, giving you my top top 50, I look back at the YouTube videos that there were of the Brentford fancy and, you know, silly old sausage that I am. It brought a tear to the eye, actually, because it was just fantastic. It's what being football is all about. And everybody who says football fans are a bunch of Neanderthals should be referred to that last five minutes and watch that on YouTube it's fantastic yeah I think for me you know you're, you're right and, and I think looking back at that um, clip that I used in on, on our way to heaven um, where there's a you know I'm interviewing a kid right at the end sort of saying you know we've, we just at the end of the day we, we just run out of steam and I was, I was sc- screaming at him really just to my voice had gone after just all that singing and I, was, I didn't even know if he could actually hear what I was what I was saying to him and he just sort of encapsulated I think what everyone said he was like you know it doesn't matter it doesn't matter we're Brentford we're, we're in the championship you know it, it, and you know I think you're right it, it was a very hairs hair standing on arms moment and um, I think it's why we all support Brentford or clubs like Brentford. It's, it's not about it's not about winning things. It's about it's about the sort of like the, the the camaraderie and the sharing of moments. And that was a moment I think you know none of us will ever ever forget. The Dutchman, um, another another person who I've known for thirty years. Um, another person whose opinions and knowledge of the game I respect greatly. <laughs> Last season was a special one for all of us and I think it was the icing on the cake in terms of our Brentford support so far, you know, knocking on the door of the Premier League. Um, what what stands out for you and what will you always look back on? I'm welling up with emotion after this. I'm not sure I can put one together. Um, so many good memories of last season. It was such a special season. Um, on my list, I'll throw in a, a personal one. I had to make a decision to go on holiday at some point. And the usual dilemma, when do you go... And I want to be back for the end of the season with that slight chance of getting into the playoffs. And the match I chose to miss was Notts Forest at home. And I was fortunate enough to take my wife to South Africa for a couple of weeks. And we were on safari. And like you do, the phones died. And the kickoff had happened. And we were driving home. And I had no means or ways of getting in touch with anybody to find out what that score was. And we got back to the place where we were staying in Johannesburg and walked into the room that they got ready for us. And there was a big 60-inch TV screen magically on, and the Brentford Forest game was on. And I walked in there, and we were 2-0 down, and there was about 10, 12 minutes left. And I watched those 10 minutes on my own, and second mention of the night, when King Yotta scored that header in the 94 win, I went absolutely mental, to the point where everyone else in the house came running up and asked if I was okay. 
and they all sat there drinking and celebrating. They had no idea what they were celebrating. Um, after that, I managed to get people over there wearing Brentford shirts, and when I talk to them now, they follow the results. And really, for me, that was the point where you realise we're quite a big team now, but we're still the same team that we were, and I guess that that's what you guys have just been alluding to. It's that specialness of what we still think we've got with our club and the fact that people are buying into our team, but we're still kind of holding on to those original ideals makes, yeah, that, that's why I'm a Beast fan. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, the ideals and the um, like-minded souls and, um, you know, as the club is changing, and I agree it is, um, and we'll, we'll work hard as a fanzine and, and we'll represent fans' views in making sure the new stadium and as the club move, you know, does evolve, it's, it does so in the, in, the, in the spirit that we want it to as customers, supporters, um, what have you. And I actually will use um, an example of the, the evolution of Besotted as my, as, as my moment, actually, um, and it's a little bit self-indulgent, but it's something that blew me away. Um, we do these podcasts every week, um, and I thank you all for listening to them and downloading them all. And we have, we have a laugh doing them. But there's there's a number um, attached to these podcasts that sometimes that I, I ignore because I, I don't do it for you know the amount of people that listen to it necessarily. I want, I want you all to enjoy it. But in the 25th anniversary of the fanzine, the 25th year of Besides existence. 10,000 people listen to one edition of a podcast which, you know, Brentford always were after target 10,000 in terms of amount of fans, but there's 10,000 people listen to the um, the pre-season podcast that we put out, and that's just one edition that's not every edition put together that's just one edition so we, we, we're obviously doing something right um, it's not going to go to our heads and we're going to just carry on having a laugh and doing it for the right reasons, but um, that number 10,000, it kind of shocks me that um, you know what what a bunch uh, of fans are just like they don't you know they're sort of like taking all this in and um, sharing it with us so if you want to come on the Besotted podcast you know how to you know get in touch with uh, um, Besotted 1992 at gmail.com and we'll get you in as a guest so before we look forwards to the festive fixtures, let's look back a little, well, just to last weekend, really. Um, an almost emphatic win against Huddersfield. Um, I think everyone's probably going to say the same thing, but I'll start with the Dutchman on this one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Just to steal Matt's thunder, he was there poised. He was there like a blooming coiled cobra waiting to, waiting to steal everyone's thunder. Dutch. Ah, oh, game of two halves, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, what can I say? I don't know what was said on last week. So again, the first half was superb. Probably the best football I've ever seen down there. Um, yeah, we all had that. Would it be the big win that we've been waiting for? Would it be the real thrashing? And the goal straight after half time, you know, just put us back a little bit. And but it was still, I mean, some of the comments afterwards where people were disappointed. Yeah, can be a bit disappointed, guys. But that football in the first half was out of this world. It was the best football I've seen there. It was absolute quality, and we should just really start enjoying it. Well, yes, we should. Well, I am enjoying it. Yeah, me too. To be honest with you. Um, why why haven't we given someone a proper pants-down spanking yet? Well, I mean, you know, we're, we're playing the football, especially at home, that suggests that it's on the card. Someone's, someone's going to get it. Someone's going to get it good. When, when are they going to get it good, Nick? I've no idea. I've no idea, and, and 
look forward to to, hard. to to seeing it when it comes. But but Huddersfield, <laughs> Huddersfield, whenever they come down, are a bunch of northern coggers, and they were cheating. Bees. I don't know. No, they weren't bees. I, I never know whether we're allowed to swear on this podcast or not. But they always they fall over. They w- try and wind up the opposition. They but try and wind up the opposi- nil, opposition fans. They, you know, imagine being a Huddersfield fan and having to watch that team in and out. A, they're inconsist- the, my question. My question was, when are we going to give someone a spanking, and, and why haven't we? Uh, we'll move on to that. I don't know. I, I, I seriously don't know. I think we took our foot off the gas in the second half, actually. It was just a bit too easy. And we took our foot off the gas and probably let them back into the game. But Huddersfield are a bunch of northern cloggers and something needs to be done about them. Well, or we're all going to write to our MPs and now our councillors over Christmas, I'm sure, on that one. Um, Sav... Uh, the I've Huddersfield, the, the clogging northern cheating bastards that are Huddersfield, allegedly. Uh, why, why, why didn't we? Why didn't we come out the second half and take, you know, run, run the sword through them? Well, probably because we were already three 0 up. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I thought Huddersfield were pretty decent. Uh, second half, I thought they they started to play some good football. Uh, so I do disagree with Nick. They were, they were cheating. They're, yeah, of course they were cheating, but that's, that's their, their way. But uh, no, I, I genuinely thought they played some really good football. I think that... That's, sorry, that's their way. <laughs> uh, expl- explain that. What is that? What is their yeah, way? I'm going, I'm going back to my, my northern thing. That <laughs> northern teams tend to do this to us. But, but I, I, I give them praise. I think they played, they played some good football. I think they're a team that's in transition. They're a team that we were under Uwe, who had played a certain way before and now had been told no you've got to play the ball out from the back you've got to start playing it on the ground and I think they did and I think they were quite successful and they looked pretty decent and I wouldn't be surprised if next season they do a lot better so that answers a lot of the knockers um, Sav said he thought they were pretty decent they, they, they were far more decent in the second half um, so you know it wasn't the case of them being woeful that, that that allowed us to win comfortably, it was the fact that we were f- superior. Is that is that is that the truth? Is that the truth? You know, the first half was. I mean, it was game of two halves. Um, it was the first half was absolutely emphatic. Um, but I think there was a spit, There was a little bit of a sign of that, and you might all think I'm completely bonkers. But um, in the um, in the Bolton game, in the first half in the Bolton game, we played some brilliant football as well. There was a 15-minute yeah. spell where we were absolutely brilliant. And this time we extended that spell to, I thought, 45 minutes. I think you could kind of say that um, Vibe's goal, um, the, you know, the way he just absolutely smashed it, um, which, which, looked like, which looked like the sort of goal that you score sometimes when you're four or five nil up and the other team have given up. But actually, this was, you know, this was in... In, 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 within the game, it, this was quite an important goal. I think that kind of summed up our first half performance. It was just, you know, it was an emphatic goal. It was an emphatic performance, and um, and and what I'm hoping is is that you know we've played it for. There's been pockets of play where we've played like that. We've now managed to play like that for 45 minutes. So can we find a way of playing like that for 90 minutes? And if you can crack that, you're on your way. Um, I, in, in terms of Huddersfield, I don't think we, we just didn't let them have a sniff in the first half. I think the substitutions were important for Huddersfield. 
Um, you know, the players they played on really did make the difference. I think also what was important was that they came. Was that if we did, if there's any argument, we switched off. We switched off for those for literally 60 seconds after half time, and they scored very quickly. And that that does tend to change the balance of the game. You know, the supporters start getting a feel for it. And, um, and, 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 and I think I, I really think that in terms of the second half it was the first, the first two minutes of the second half that were key to the way the balance of the second half changed I think you're right um, you know, if, if 10 or 15 minutes go past in the second half and you haven't got a goal back you yeah. start to think well there's no way we're going to get a foothold back yeah. in this game yeah. and the fact that they scored pretty much from the, from the start yeah. it, it gave them a little yeah. bit of belief but then again you know, we, we scored the penalty made it 4-1 that should have been you know that should have given us another little growth spurt again, and you know I, I don't, I don't necessarily, I'm not going to. There are no negatives about a four, you know, four-two win, um, especially before Christmas. It was, you know, it just shows we can score goals and we can score goals from all over the place. Um, I think it was important that Vibe scored um, again. He got, he, he, you know, he's, he's scoring at home fairly frequently, um, and I, I, th- I think that there's still there's still a little bit um, of a why haven't we got a 30-goal-a-season striker thing going on? And and Because we sold him. Well, yeah, we know we, we sold him, but do, do, we need another stri- do, do we need another striker? I mean, you know, the transfer deadline window is going to open after, the, after this festive period. We're going to be in January. What, are, we, are we crying out for a striker, Matt? Right. I think um, we're the second-highest-scoring team in the league. That says to me we're not crying out for a striker. Um, but, having, I mean, having said that, I, I would never knock getting a striker in. I mean, you know, that, that, that I, <clears throat> I know I try and play devil's advocate on this one, and I'm going to to some extent now. Um, I, I, you would never not get an approving striker or, or, or take a chance on an up-and-coming striker. I, I, you know, that's got a bit of pace. I always think pace is desperately important in this league. Um, but we can score throughout the team. We are scoring goals. And at the moment, that's the least of my worries. Um, I still think we haven't nailed it um, with the two at the. In, I still think our problem is at centre back. Um, and 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 I and I don't think we have bad particular. I don't necessarily think we have got bad players, but for some reason we haven't found a combination that I can actually, you know, tell you this is the combination that should play every week. I'm still interested in trying something else, maybe to see what that looks like. Um, I don't have a problem with right or left back. Um, I think Colin kind of, um, you know, came in on Saturday, and I, I, I don't really remember a player coming back from injury that has settled in so quickly as he did on. Um, well, I, I maintain he's the first international quality stro- um, defender we've had since Herman Ryderson. Uh, I think he he looks like the real deal. Um, oh, oh, Dutch, are we are we crying out for another striker? No, we're not because, as Matt says, we're scoring enough goals. But like Matt, I still think we need some more strength in depth around that. Um, probably, with, you know, Jurison was just starting to look like he might shape up for that position. And clearly, when he comes back, we have got another striker there. Um, the news on on Scott's obviously good on Scott Hogan that he's going to be back as well. So, yeah, he, he's unproven clearly. So we don't know, but we have got some in the squad. Um, but. As I agree with my, my learned friends around the table. I don't think that's our main problem right now. Getting the best out of the people in the back is number one priority. Matt absolutely nailed it. It is the, it is the centre-backs that, that, that are the issue. 
Um, well, we ha- we still have options there. I mean, you know, Smith 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 hasn't tried B Bay. Barbie, 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 <laughs> or, 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 yeah, or, or even O'Connor, or even O'Connell and Dean, which is yeah. you know the, the, there's plenty of options available. Yeah, but we're the highest scoring team in terms of goals, but we're also the highest scoring team in terms of giving away goals as well. And I mean that's going to be our downfall. That's why we're not going to make the playoffs this year. Is my confident prediction is because we'll 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 give away too too many goals. Interesting, I, I, interesting though. No, we're going to give away too many goals, but as a fan, that means we're going to see some really entertaining football. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be yeah. No, no, no. No reason not to come down to Griffin Park or, or go to any of the away games because you'll see Brentford playing some 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 good football and scoring and scoring goals. And, well, you'll see goals. Because well, we, we'll we saw. I mean, even at Cardiff, we we did we did play some beautiful stuff at Cardiff. Yeah, but um, the other, I mean. If we were in the transfer window, I think actually the other p- position we need to look at filling is left back. Because should something happen to Jake Bidwell, I have no idea who would replace Jake Bidwell at left back at the moment. Um, and that, that really is, I think, our weak point as well. Yeah, you know, not, not that I would drop, not that, not that Jake Bidwell. What, would, our, our, you, mean how, you mean our goal scoring left back, Jake Bidwell? Uh, you and I three of us were in this room <laughs> to see Jake Bidwell score his goal. And what was really, really nice, have we commented on this, was driving back from Cardiff, was switching on the radio and hearing Jake Bidwell's uncle say that he had managed to be at the game where he saw his saw his nephew score a goal. It's fantastic stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean, actually, that was, that was, um, it was quite lovely to hear that. He was like, I think, whether it was his uncle or his father-in-law, but he, he, he was saying about um, Jake Bidwell's dad has, has never missed, well, he's missed a, literally a handful of his games ever as a kid from under sixes all the way through to now. And, um, and as a dad who watches his uh, son play, I, I realise what a commitment that is for the Bidwell family to, uh, to, to do that week in, week out. Because, you know, you, you you didn't miss a game last season, Nick, and I didn't miss a game. This I haven't missed a game this season. But you imagine not missing a game like for in academy matches and here, there, and everywhere watching your son play. That's some dedication. Brilliant. Sav, transfer deadline opens soon. What do you want? What's your what do you want? What do you ask Santa for in the in the in the old transfer window? Um, I'm not sure. I'm really, I'm genuinely not sure. I mean, yes. We can have some people in uh, in support positions, and the left back is a little bit uh, empty. Um, I think O'Connell can possibly play there, but you're you know you're, you're moving people out of their natural positions, which I don't like. So I agree that a left back would be useful. Although um, Bidwell has played 187 games for Brentford, and he's 22 years old. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only time he's actually been out was when he got sent off, wasn't it, against um, Watford? That is a good stat. In, in, in the Wolfgate thing, and that's, that's when we missed him. And we were playing. Um, Unaris. Uh, no, Stuart Dallas as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, Unaris Stuart Dallas, and Dallas. Against yeah, Bournemouth, yeah. Bournemouth, which was the game that uh, Matt did. was talking about earlier. So, okay. But yeah, I think support was. I think we're looking strong in, in the. In the first team, I mean the bench is even looking strong. But I think, yeah, I mean there are a couple of places where you need yeah. some 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 backup. I felt, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm not expecting too much either. I, the, the one thing I would like to see is as a hundred percent nailed honour is some um, Sergi Canos confirm that he's going to stay for the rest of the season. That that I I would think is a is a is a huge boost to us. 
Um, apart from that, I think we've got players. We've got players coming back still. You know, we've got Durasin to come back into the team. Um, we've got some. We've got McLeod, the unicorn, to come to come in. Um, you know, we've got players like Yotta and McEachran who are really are, are knocking on the door, but they're not 100 percent match fit. And Colin, who got his start um, last weekend, and I'm, I'm expecting great things from him. So, um, you know, let's look at this. Let's look at what we've got, and, and it, it kind of may, maybe we we did a lot of great work. We've got Gogia, Gogia, you know. He's been out a while, so there's a, there's a lot of talent and a lot of potential to come back into this team. I would like to see another striker, though, if I'm honest. I, w- I would like one one more striking option because um, you know I, I think I think we need it. I mean, I'm not knocking anyone. I think Vibe's been great, um, and I think Jurisin was look, starting to look very very promising. So um, I think if everyone's back, you've got uh, you've got Hogan, you've got Hoffman, you've got Vibe, and you've got Jurisin. That's four good strikers. Um, and, I th- and I think what always confuses the matter is we play one up front. So um, a strike, and unless you've got a striker that can play in one of the other positions in the attacking three from midfield, um, it leaves um, opportunities and, the, and, and even the option to keep the mat fit, match fit um, quite, quite, quite difficult. So you know, you can, if you brought another one in, then you, you you know you you're switching between Hoffman. I can't see Hoffman, Jurison, um, and say a third striker. I can't see any of them playing in any other position. I think Vibe can probably play a bit deeper. I, I'm not sure about Hogan. I haven't seen enough of him. Um, so that's kind of part of the part of the thing is when you only play one up front, it's really difficult to try and keep a rotation of strikers fit. And and if you over if you have too many. Um, how, how on earth do you keep them fit? All I want for Christmas is another left back. One more left back for Nick. It's on its way, mate. Um, so before we look too forward into the future, into 2016 and um, the transfer window, let's look at the festive fixtures. Brighton at home, Reading away. We continue. Um... We've got some festive fixtures coming up, boys and girls. Um, first up, Boxing Day, Brighton. Wow. I mean, they've just lost an unbeaten run. Um, it's quite a, quite a daunting fixture, really. I mean, or, or, or not. I mean, is the bubble burst? Has the bubble burst, Sav? Uh, I think, yes, of course it has. Of course it bloody well has. Because they're going to play the Mighty Bees any minute now. Uh, no, I think, I think uh, they, they were destined to, to, uh, to fall apart. Um, I think they'd um, they were drawing a lot, so I mean, often unbeaten runs are lots of draws, but they weren't even top when they lost to Middlesbrough um, last weekend. And I think um, I think they've they're, they're a strange club because last season they did a poorly compared to what they should have done, and this season they started off better than what they should have done. And I think they're sort of slowly going to get back to where they should be, which is probably just outside the playoffs or just in the playoffs, which is probably where we should be as well. So I think we are, we are matched with Brighton. Who's, yeah. who's deciding this, where they should be and where they shouldn't be? Uh, me. Uh, oh, your, your, your algorithm. Yeah, yeah I've, got, I've got the, the algorithm. I've actually borrowed it from Benham. <laughs> and uh, and it, it says that they should be about um, sixth, seventh or eighth. Oh, um, and we should be as well. Oh, okay. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've decided that. 
So. I'm, well, I'm not privy to this computer. Um, however, it's, I know that it's a, a very, very um, important couple of fixtures because it was around this time last year, allegedly, that the, uh, the Warburton-Benham um, situation came to a head where Matthew Benham said, if you buy, or if, we, if I buy X amount of players, our percentage chance of getting promoted is increased. And if you stick to the squad that we've currently got, promotion is X percent. So... That the, tra- the January transfer window would appear to be an important, um, pivotal moment in our, in our season. Um, if we win one or both of our Christmas fixtures, will we see a busier transfer window, Matt? Um, we, we, we might see more money spent. I'm not sure. It depends how you define busy. Uh, I'm, I'd be very surprised if we didn't bring in players anyway because I would imagine we're always on the lookout for value um, for players that we can bring in you know to get to get value from so i.e players that other clubs might not be looking at um, etc so I don't see any reason why that wouldn't change I, I I think we probably need to win both games for us to honestly be saying going into the January transfer window that we we could you know get into six maybe fifth um, I you, you you do have to think the top four are probably almost out of touch. There are there are fewer places up for grabs. It is it's a less open division this year than it was last year. Yeah, I think I think apart from Brighton, um, I feel the top the, the the top five. I think I think Brighton may have enough points already in the bag, but I think if you look at the top five, I think there's four, three or four teams. I mean, Bernie is maybe a little bit questionable now looking at it. Um, I, I, six places. Is, is definitely up for grabs in all honesty uh, it just depends on um, yeah m- maybe the next two games but I, I don't think we'll be quiet in the transfer window because as I said I think we'll always be on the lookout for you know a, a, a sort of a bargain player Dutch do you, do you find it amazing that after the start of the season we had that we're, we're still talking about playoffs it is amazing um, but it's valid someone said this with one of the players and I can't remember which one it was said you know, on our day, we are as good as any team in this division, and I have to agree with it. You know, the question you ask, Sav, are you daunted? I'm, I'm not daunted when we play anybody anymore, home or away, because I think we've got the ability to beat any teams in this division, and I would include the top four in that. That doesn't mean it will always happen. It doesn't mean we'll always beat them. But when you go to those games, you know, I generally go there with a the belief that we will that we will you know, get a result out of those. And you know, Brighton's no different, I think. And one of the things that struck me from the comments after the Huddersfield game, without reverting back to that, is they had their worst half of the season, as did MK Dons against us. You know, time and time again, teams are having their worst game of the season against Brentford. You know, that must mean something. It must mean we're not letting these teams play. And I don't think Brighton will be any different. I expect to beat Brighton. Um, and I expect to go to Reading full of confidence. We'll talk about that one separately, perhaps. Um, but it is amazing. But it's where we are. And we said it time and time again on this podcast. We are a decent established championship side who deserve to be in the top 10 as a minimum Nick this is a defining moment of the season you've, take, you've taken the words right out of okay me. well I'll let you finish the sentence it, this is our judgement three days I think this actually will the games against Brighton and Reading will determine what we'll do this season um, I'm actually Excited about playing Brighton. I think it's a good time, to, good time to play them. Uh, it'll be a good game because Brighton play good football as well. Um, 
Bright, uh, Reading I'm, I'm less happy about. But if we could come away from the next two games with four points, I think that would put us in with a genuine shout as a playoff contender. Were we to fail to get two points from those games, I think then that would mean that we were where I actually do expect us to be, is a contender that will just just miss out on the playoffs. But Brighton and Reading, the, the, this will show whether we deserve to be in the playoff, um, playoff uh, shape-up shape up or not. Yeah. Sav, um, Christmas is a bit of an odd time. You know, the, the, it's, it's, a, it's quite, kind of like a lot of, lot of um, pressure on, on, those, on the fixtures. You know, for fans, we've we got an early kickoff on Boxing Day. It's, it's, it's always a slightly odd atmosphere. The, the, the players will look after themselves. And then we've got Reading um, a few days after that. Um, <clears throat> but it's a traditional part of the English game. And, you know, we, we don't always do brilliantly at Christmas. How are we going to make sure this year is a special one? But I think we're, we're in a particular position because we are the only game that is starting at one o'clock. All the rest starts at three. And if we win against Brighton, which I think we can, uh, we will actually be in the playoffs. And I think that should be good enough motivation for, for us because obviously Brighton are already in there and their motivation is less. But I think that's good motivation for us. And I think we, it's a home game. We're fantastic at home. If we can just sort of pull in the, the kind of performances we've played in the last two home games we could really really do something uh, getting, uh, sort of finishing the point about, um, about January and the, the transfer window I think one of the things we haven't talked about is about keeping players I think Judge is going to be in demand and I think if we can keep Judge that is as good as bringing any kind of player in and I think that, that could be the defining moment of our season OK I mean and, and I, I think Alan Judge is, is a player that we probably can't afford to lose. He's, he's so influential. He's, 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 such, he's so on top of his game at the moment. Um, it's such an important year for him. He's the top, sco- top scorer and top provider. Um, the assistant, he should be called, for his amount of assists. It, but, and, and, and the Republic are going to the World Cup, um, the, World Cup the Euros in, in France. Brentford can guarantee Alan Judge first-class football between now and the Euros, why would he want to go anywhere else? He, sh- he, he can't go anywhere else, surely. A- absolutely right. Not only can they guarantee him first-class football, they can guarantee him first-team football. And I think, I think Alan Judge would make the mistake were he to go off in this transfer window into a premiership team where he might not be playing week in, week out. And Alan, if you're listening to this podcast, stay with us because you're guaranteed a first-team place. You're going to... Be watched by an uh, you're going to be watched by the Irish management team who will see you playing in a top championship team, and the championship is just as competitive as the bottom middle half of the Premiership, and it'll set you really up for having a good Euro Euro 16. So Alan Judge, stay with us. Martin O'Neill does not want to see Alan Judge sitting on Bournemouth's bench, does he? Shitting on Bournemouth's bench. Okay. Or sitting. Or sitting. Sitting, OK. Uh, probably neither. Um, he, he doesn't. And I think the good thing now is Judge has probably seen a few of his colleagues leave. Not that many yet have gone on to bigger and better things. You know, it is that lesson when you look at others. I mean, they have gone to other clubs and they've had reasonable success. They may earn more money. That's, you know, that's the one variable that we can't necessarily control. 
But in terms of, you know, would you say Donaldson at Burlington been a better success than staying with us? Not really. You know, a lot of those players have done that, gone back to their parent clubs. Uh, we're biased, clearly. You know, we, we want him to stay with us and you wouldn't expect us to say anything different. But if he wants to get into the Euros, from my perspective, you'd always want to be playing first-team football, first-class football. And he's doing that for us now. You know, if anyone who watches him now will see he's a quality player and he should be in that squad. Can, I, can, I, can I just... Um go around the table and play devil's advocate assuming I'm, I'm, let's assume he goes actually which is something I don't want to consider what what worth is he if, if he were if, if someone a club come into him and it was a a, a a valuation or a bid that was too good to turn down and the player wants to go and the club wants him and all that what is Alan Judge worth in the January transfer window, Sav? Uh, Just a number. Eight million. Matt? Um, I would say six and a half. Dutch? Six. Nick? Ten. Three. I'm going for four million. I think four? I, four. Yeah, I'm, I don't know anything, and I'm, and I'm not pretending to. Um, I think he would probably go for less than we probably would all hope. And I, but if, if Gray's worth nine, I think Judge is worth 12. And, and that, that, that's, that's, my, that's my evaluation. What he goes for, we shall see. Stay with us, Judge. I don't hope he's going nowhere. I, 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 that's my hunch. I don't think he's going anywhere. He's going to the Prem with Brentford. That's what he's doing. He'll score the goal that sends us up. Alan Judge. Alan Judge. He'll score the, the goal that sends us up. Alan, Alan Judge. <laughs> So, that's the future, that's the immediate future taken care of. We're going to look back a little bit to Christmas past, not Christmas future, Christmas past, um, and go round the table and just look at some fixtures or some Brentford matches that stand out from, Brent, from Christmases of yesteryear. Um, my one, I'm going to start first on this one, and it's something that still haunts me to this day. Um, Brentford played... At Bristol City, Ashton Gate on New Year's Day 1988, 1st of January 1988. And if my memory's a little blurry, but I'm sure we were 3 0 up. Um, Bristol City got it back to 3 2, and they threw everything at us the kitchen sink, the old proverbial Christmas um, um, kitchen sink was chucked at us. And you could see the Bristol City Neanderthals waiting to, if, if, we, if they didn't pull it back to 3 all, they're going to take it out on someone. And the final whistle went, and I think, I think if I'm mistaken, I think Graham Ricks and Paul Merson were playing for Brentford that day. And we looked really, really good. Steve Perryman, my God, I don't know why on earth he did it, but he made the players warm down immediately after the game. And it really looked like they were taking the piss out of the Bristol City fans. And they just weren't happy. They were rabid anyway. And this really, like, really rubbed salt into the wounds. And Brentford fans had to run the gauntlet outside and we were run ragged, and I, I sprinted back to my Volkswagen Beetle that I parked down some railway siding opposite the park, and I just, although we were so happy that we won, I was like, oh, cheers, Steve, cheers, Mr Perryman, for doing that to me, and um, next time I see him, I will remind him of that, but we won, and that's all that mattered, and I live to tell the tale. Mr Allard. Um, 
the the stats may not bear this out, but my recollection is that, to be honest, sort of Boxing Day um, and and maybe New Year's Day as well, is that actually we don't tend to come out on top too often. Um, and, and because of that, I don't particularly remember any great wins. I think, uh, I think there was a win against Swindon, 3-2, um, which would have been around, I don't know, the Awusu paul Evans time. Um, but the, the, the game that does stick in my head, for a completely different reason, was um, New Year's Day against Fulham in what I think would be 1994. Awful game, 0-0. But the reason it sticks in my head was that at the time I worked in Putney, and um, I, um, I disappeared from my lunch hour and managed to watch. Um, I managed to watch the game during my lunch hour. So you know, a, a so small you bunked thing. off. I, I bunked off for a couple of hours. Um, I can't quite remember how I covered that, but I bunked off for a couple of hours working for an, working for a previous company, and um, yeah, I managed to see managed to see what was essentially a dull nil nil draw. But you know, work shy fop, sav. I think uh, my my one was, and I can't remember. What year it was? It was definitely mid '90s, and uh, I can't remember if it was Boxing Day or New Year's Eve or something like that. New Year's Eve, well, New Year's Day, or you know, one of the ones in between. But it was a a really really freezing cold day, and it was actually snowing. And this was up in Saltergate, up in in Chesterfield with a twisted spire, and it was uh, really really cold, as I said. And it was a really dull, horrible nil nil draw. The only bright spark was uh, Patrick Aguiman, from uh, who we had on loan for the year from uh, Wimbledon. He looked decent. Everyone else looked absolutely terrible. But the abiding memory is that after five minutes, because um, I was up up the back with the you know where the the Brentford were, and uh, I think I think we was in the seats, and um, uh, Bernie Watson was being dragged out. The late, great Bernie Watson. The, 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 the very entertaining Bernie Watson was being dragged out by some stewards uh, after five minutes. And um, Peter Gillum just leapt in, like the superhero he is, just leapt in and, and sort of calmed the stewards down and said, look, I'll vouch for you. So, they, you know, they, they say kind of, oh, all right, all right then, all right. But you all vouched, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll sort him out. So... No, that was fine. You know, they, 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 let, they let it go. Five minutes later, he's being dragged out again by the stewards. <laughs> Pete Gillen just gives up, just shrugs his shoulders. Nothing I can do. But, but if you don't know who Bernie Watson is or was, um, he was probably the most loyal Brentford fan um, there, there arguably ever was. Um, a real eccentric, um, someone who just the club came first to in his life. Um, he, I'm sure he had his, his troubles and his devils, but um, uh, someone I used to spend a lot of time with in his uh, in his garage, peak performance motors in Hounslow, and uh, he was uh, just an amazing Brentford character. And uh, he used to bring an Alsatian dog to games. He used to wear a full-length sheepskin coat to games. He was he got banned from Brentford for a whole year, and he and he came in dressed as a woman. Um, he actually he, that's the only and, and the turntable operator knew. He he, he, was, he was a real eccentric Brentford fan, and I, and I won't go into the detail of his demise. And I and I know he, he left a family who miss him deeply. So Nick, your Christmas festive match that beats all other Christmas festive matches? I think it was the one where I came back to this country and it was 1986 
and it was actually just before Christmas, it was the 21st, uh, and we were playing a team in, in Division 3, it was Middlesbrough, and unfortunately Middlesbrough won 1-0. But that was what stuck with me because the That's previous Christmas fixture, Middlesbrough. It, Christmas fixture was Middlesbrough. Well, it was the twenty first, so it was a, sort of slightly just Happy before. Christmas. It was Happy just Christmas. before Christmas. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not quite old enough to remember the days when we used to play on Christmas Day and then you know the reverse fixture on Boxing Day, which uh, would have been fun for for those of us who you know probably want to go, undergo matrimonial breakdowns. But no, I remember that game entirely because you know. That the year before, I'd been watching uh, American football in Miami in lovely 25 degrees. No interest, no interest in American football. La, 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 la. American football doesn't exist. So, Dutch, well, actually, the good point out of that is we used to actually play on Christmas Day, and there's a, there's a beautiful programme reproduced in the 125 years of Brentford book that's just been reprinted from Millwall on, on Christmas Day. Um, Dutchman. In fact, actually, I, I I always thought that Brentford did play on Christmas Day when I was a kid, but I was obviously wrong. What, what's your What's your favourite festive moment from Brentford history, mate? Staggeringly, I've just looked it up while we're speaking. My one is a week earlier than Mr. Allard's, which is seeing as we've got about 125 years of history to choose from. It makes us quite restrictive. But my one is uh, on the either the Boxing Day or the day after of that very same season where we played away at Bournemouth um, and came away. We were, I think we were just on the rise that season. We'd started off badly and we'd started pulling up to mid-table, etching towards the top. We had Bournemouth away, which is always a fun trip. And we came away with a 3-0 victory, which in itself is pretty damn impressive. But every single goal was a comedy of errors by a goalkeeper called Vince Bartram, um, who some may remember. I think he Arsenal. I think his career actually ended when he got injured by another goalie, which is a story for another day. <laughs> but he fumbled. Goalkeeping one. love. Goalkeeping Fumble. love. A goalkeeper came up for a corner, I believe, and clattered into him, broke his wrist, and that was the end for Vince. But the end should have been in that My very. God, yeah. <laughs> the end for Vince should have actually been after that game that I'm talking about because he was absolutely dreadful. Um, I think he fumbled one into his own net. He air kicked one that went under his legs. Um, he gave away a penalty. And they missed the penalty. It was just an absolute classic comedy so, case. Worse than Ashley Bays. <laughs> worse than Ashley Bays. Well, my God, there's a thought. George Van Koning. That's a thought. That, that well, I think we ought to. We have to leave. We have to end this podcast on this on this bad goalkeeping moment. Um, all that's left for me to say is that we are going to have the besotted festive fifty. Um, that will be available a week from today. Um, and just to wish you all a very, very happy Christmas and a brilliant, brilliant 2016. Can we all give our biggest, biggest cheer to the Mighty Bees? Come on, you
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.